Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today is a very special day. We finally reached the point where we can look at the private prequel, The Book of Spells. On Goodreads this is down as private 0.5. Uh, so I realised some of my numbering is off for the other episodes because I skipped over last Christmas, which is also a, like a prequel. So I'm guessing that would be like 0.75? I don't know. I'm sticking with the fact that my numbers are correct. Anywho, Book of Spells is what started this whole thing off, if you can't remember back as far as... My original private review, which was quite a long time ago for me, probably less time for you guys. Um, but this is the book that I just randomly found on eBay while I was looking for books of spells. And uh, I decided after looking around to read the rest of the series so that I would go into this one forewarned, forearmed and able to identify these little kickbacks, these little references to the original private series. And let me just tell you, this book is completely standalone. You don't need to read the rest of the series at all. Time well spent. In all seriousness, I am glad that I have read the preceding books because there are two books that come after this one in which Noelle and Reed have to deal with the fallout from finding out, you know, the, the, the whole witch thing. And I don't think those books would have made sense if I hadn't read, you know, the previous books and didn't know. Even though at the beginning of each one there is kind of like a potted summary, which by the point that we've gotten to, like books 13, 14 coming up, um, gets a little bit convoluted and a little bit messy especially considering how short the books are at the moment like they're getting shorter as the series kind of winds down and a lot of them is just backtracking and reminding you of stuff that's already happened however if you wanted to go ahead and just read the book of spells based on this review or based on other reviews that you've seen out there you can 100% read this without bothering with the rest of the private series it is completely separate and uh, I don't really think that you need to know anything about the Billings Girls, any of the, the other drama that happens like a hundred years from the prequel. So with that out of the way, let's launch into the review. Right at the start of the book, we're introduced to our protagonist, Elizabeth Williams, who is known as Eliza throughout the book, um, who is basically read like bookish, super independent, does not need no man, uh, doesn't want to be like all the other girls, uh, but ends up being exactly like them, as we'll see later. Um, so pretty similar. There's no confirmation as to who is related to who from the past. Um, maybe that comes out in the, the final two books, but uh, I don't know if Noel and the rest of the Land family can trace their lineage back to one of these original girls. But there we go. We're introduced to her. Her sister May has just completed her time at Billings School for Girls and has become engaged to be married, which is sort of the aim of sending your daughter to this school it's not terribly academically focused um eliza wants to get away she wants to read books she's not like other girls tm and just really wants to be free and wild and, and talk about politics with people because she has a brain y'all i didn't really warm to eliza that much because she had that kind of pick me girl energy which i wasn't necessarily there for however on page six her sister delivers a cryptic warning um, which goes as follows. May, what is it? Eliza asked, her pulse beginning to race. I just wanted to tell you about Billings, about Crenshaw House, May whispered, leaning into the door jam. Eliza, there's something you need to know. What? Eliza asked, breathless. What is it? May Williams, I am waiting, their mother called from the foot of the stairs. May started backwards. Oh, I must go. Eliza grabbed her sister's wrist. May, please, I'm your sister. If there's something you need to tell me, May covered Eliza's hand with her own and looked up into her eyes. Just promise me you'll be careful, she said earnestly, her blue eyes shining. Promise me, Eliza, that you'll be safe. 
Eliza blinked. Of course, May, of course I'll be safe. What could possibly harm me at a place like Billings? The sound of hurried footsteps on the stairs stopped them both. Renee rushed into view, holding her skirts up, her eyes wide with terror, the sort of terror only Rebecca Williams could inspire in her servants. May, your mother is fit to burst, she said through her teeth. Mind your manners and get downstairs now. A tortured noise sounded from the back of May's throat. Then she quickly gave Eliza a kiss on the cheek, squeezed her hand tightly. I love you, Eliza. Always remember that, no matter what happens. Now, as far as I can tell, this scene is completely pointless. <laughs> um, so basically, we find out through the course of the novel that the guy that May is going to marry was originally the suitor of Teresa Billings. Yes, that Billings, the Billings who's responsible for the whole Billings school. And she takes an instant dislike to Eliza based on the fact that, you know, her sister stole her man in her mind. That does not necessitate this, this like cryptic warning at the beginning. It sounds like there was some sort of underground cult going on in Crenshaw House or some sort of thing that they were doing to like torture young independent ladies, which is what May was before she went to the school, and turn them into these Stepford wife-esque drones. But nothing of the sort happens. And as far as I can tell, this, this warning can only refer to the fact that she sensibly stole Teresa's boyfriend. So it feels kind of like a lazy attempt to like drive up tension. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it just didn't feel great to me when I looked back on that and was like, hang on a minute, this never came to anything. But anyway, Eliza goes to the school. She quickly meets a ragtag bunch of people who are basically stand-ins for the Billings girls of, you know, the future. You know, you've got the cute little nervous one who might as well be Constance. You've got the various twin hangers-on, like there's fashion-conscious twins, like the Twin Cities. You've got, you know, it goes on and on. There's the bookish one, like Taylor. They're all basically the same. Um, but she also meets the two, like, mainly named characters who are Carrie, um, sorry, who are Catherine White and Teresa Billings herself. So Teresa Billings kind of fills the role of Noelle slash Ivy, sometime antagonist, sometime friend. And Catherine White basically fills in the role of Ariana from the first books. Basically, like, seems to be her best friend, but also seems like she's hiding something. But it turns out she's not hiding anything, except Ariana was. So, you know, we're introduced to characters. We meet the headmistress of the school. The girls quickly work out who they're going to be friends with, find their rooms, all that exciting getting to school stuff. Things don't really kick off until the girls sneak out through the tunnel into Gwendolyn Hall that was discovered in the original private series um, to meet some of the boys from the nearby Eastern Academy. Uh, and one of whom is called Harrison Knox, who instantly is drawn inexorably towards our main character Eliza because she has that Reed Brennan super pheromone that just makes all men want her. Uh, it turns out, however, that he is Teresa's new fiancé. So that sucks. Uh, again, this is something I could have really done without in this book. It just feels like drama for drama's sake. But instantly Eliza starts to feel guilty. She really likes this guy because, you know, he talked to her once about books and therefore acknowledges that she's got a brain. And she's kind of conflicted over the fact that she really doesn't like Teresa that much. And so it's probably okay if she steals her fiancé. Right? I'm kind of coming down hard on Eliza, but I do get this very strong, like, this book is meant to be about girls finding their freedom and rebelling through the act of becoming witches. And that's what I was really interested in from the blurb. But basically, they only use witchcraft for the same stupid things that the current generation of Billings girls are getting up to anyway, aka sneaking out and meeting boys. So it didn't feel as 
sort of subversive and feminist as I was led to believe by the blurb. Anywho, while they uh, get caught uh, after coming back from Easton, they then get sentenced to detention, which is like gardening. And during the process of gardening, dig up a small box which contains a gold locket with a mysterious symbol upon it and a map um, and a little Latin clue inside the locket, which is essentially like the start of a treasure hunt of riddles. So the girls get very excited about this and Catherine, Teresa and Eliza really want to like pursue this, find out what's at the rainbow's end. They also involve Alice in this. Alice is basically Constance. Uh, her one characteristic is that she's super into God, except for the times that she's not. Um, so they follow all the clues and end up at the chapel uh, of Benning School, which is still currently in use. They go downstairs, they find the same secret door that Noelle and Reed found in the previous book. They go in, and in there is a trunk which is full of books about witchcraft. So there's the, the spell book, like the book of spells, which they also found at the end of the last book, but also several other ones about like moon phases and stuff, all of which seem to be quite old um, and very valuable. There are mixed reactions to this from Alice, who is very much of the opinion that witchcraft is evil and against the Bible. And then you've got sort of Teresa, who's kind of skeptical, worldly, and Catherine, who's very down to earth, but has a background in this kind of thing, uh, which is explained that her mother was on like some sort of quest for eternal youth and ended up dragging Catherine along with her to see various mediums, which is spiritual people in the South where they live. So that's how she came by this store of knowledge. Although she does have like a witch kit which she brought to school with her, and it's never explained why she has that, or if she has previously been a practitioner. A lot of stuff is left unexplained in this book, and that was one of my pet peeves, and we'll talk about that more at the end, because boy howdy was a lot of stuff just left dangling. Anywho, the girls quickly read the Book of Spells and decide that they kind of want to give it a go, but they need 11 girls to make it work, because a coven has to be of 11 girls. I don't know why, because 13 is just a naturally witchier number, and I think the traditional number for covens is like 13, but they decide 11, because I guess two more characters would have been too many, and they quickly round up basically every named character we've been introduced to so far to be initiated into this coven. Up until this point, I kind of had hope for the book. I was excited about it, but then they started looking at the book of spells and the actual spells in it, and it was very much clear that we were not going to be experiencing like magical realism. It was just going to be pure fantasy magic. For example, we get the spell for a broken heart, uh, spells to swell people's tongues. Uh, they start doing actual telekinesis in a bit, so it is a little bit more fantasy orientated. So if you weren't going to read it because it wasn't fantasy, good news, it is. The girls perform an initiation ritual from the book, which is basically the initiation to get into Billings, like, you know, dressed in white with the candles and some of the same words. Um, this is where I have my first wobble, because we're told already that Eliza has been given this ledger by her mum in which to record her experiences at this school and she's written down the, the names of the, the cover members in it and the Billings Literary Society which is like that cover uh, for inviting people but then she starts writing in it uh, all this other stuff about witchcraft and magic which isn't in the Billings Literary Society Elizabeth Williams book that Reed gets in the previous books because that was all about welcoming people to the literary society and how to talk about it and okay maybe that was like coded stuff maybe 
the whole time she'd been referring to witchcraft, but it seems like she is writing stuff about spells into this book, which are later missing from the version that Reed gets. And the book doesn't make it clear if that's like a separate book, like maybe she had two diaries or something, but um, it's kind of a, a weird plot hole. Anywho, they start doing spells right away and enjoy some success. They use them to repair the ripped hem of a girl's dress and then change that dress pink. A lot of the spells seem to be for doing stuff like this, which irritated me because, again, this book is meant to be about, uh, quoting from the blurb here, bonded by sisterhood, the girls taste freedom and power for the first time. So th this is meant to be about them breaking out of their roles. But at the same time, all of the spells seem to be for doing stuff that would be like housework, but faster. So, you know, like fixing clothes and changing the colour of clothes and doing all this stuff. Like to brighten dull skin and things like that. And it's like, well, none of this is like fantastic feminist power time. This is just like Mrs. Beaton's, but for witches. Um, so that was slightly disappointing. The girls then go around like utilising their newfound telekinesis abilities. Someone on Goodreads have criticised the book for having boring rhyming spells, but majority of the spells that they use are in Latin. Like, they just say Latin words, like gravitas inverto, to make stuff float. Uh, so I don't know what that person was talking about. But they have a good old witchy time. And Eliza starts to feel like maybe she can be friends with Teresa. They're getting on a lot better. She still feels conflicted about Harrison. They're also getting a little bit of a weird side eye from a maid who works in the main house called Helen. More on Helen later. The girls do enjoy some newfound freedom with a spell that enables them to move around silently, even if they're making lots and lots of noise. Like, they're in their own little bubble. No one can hear them. Although they do spend a lot of time, like, playing around outside on bicycles in the middle of the night and just yucking it up. But this building still has windows and they're not invisible. Uh, so eventually they do get seen which uh, took way too long, given, you know, how many times they were outside after dark. But anyway, unfortunately, things come to a head with the stupid love triangle plot. Uh, when Harrison sends a message to Eliza to ask him uh, to ask her to meet him by a, a magic special tree that they find the message in before Helen has managed to tell her that it's there. Helen is very suspicious after this, but Helen is also acting very suspicious herself. Anyway, uh, Eliza quits the Billings Literary Society meeting at the chapel early under the guise of being unwell and faint. Catherine, uh, who's sort of in on her attraction to Harrison, offers to walk her back to their dorm, uh, but then obviously lets her go off and meet this guy. They have a talk. He says that he's not really in love with Teresa. He just kind of got railroaded into this engagement and he's not feeling it, which I don't really buy because, you know, he, he can just break it off. But there we go. Um... But unfortunately, at that point, Eliza hears Catherine and Teresa arguing in the distance and knows that the jig is up. So she does a spell on Harrison to get him to, like, fuck off. Uh, and he just kind of goes back to school in a daze. She runs to catch up with Ca Catherine and Teresa, who are now arguing by a ravine. I'm not sure how this ravine is just allowed to be on the campus of a girls' school, but there it is. And this is very similar to a dream that Eliza had about Catherine getting pushed into a ravine uh, because Catherine gets pushed into a ravine, you know? She's holding this, like, sulphur crystal that she says she's always been trying to, like, create sparks with using magic and it finally manages to go off but it causes a branch to break and fall and in the ensuing confusion 
Catherine ends up falling into the ravine and breaking her neck. So she's dead. Now, again, this gave me pause. Catherine had been very in on the whole witchy thing. She'd been weirdly enigmatic towards Eliza since she arrived, seemed to be very knowing of certain things, knew about her and Harrison, and was encouraging it, despite being friends with Teresa, ostensibly. So I was getting ready for an Ariana-esque double cross. This did not happen. I kind of assumed that her having the crystal there in the first place, like, why would she need to have like a, a, a magical offensive weapon there how did she know she'd need that maybe she was trying to stage something she was trying to get them to do some magic they didn't want to do uh because spoiler alert they've already found a spell in the book for reviving the dead and that's going to go about as well as you would expect it to uh but it turns out Catherine completely innocent uh, again just kind of like a weird attempt at creating drama where there was none Teresa, who was initially spitting mad that Eliza had dared go after her man, just like her bitch sister, instantly comes past that. She just like steamrolls over her own emotional baggage to say, we need to do this spell to bring Catherine back to life. And they decide to do this. They convince everyone else in the group to do it. But unfortunately, it requires all 11 of them. And one of them is now dead. So they have to initiate another person. And this is how Helen gets involved. Because Helen, the maid, is from when the building school used to be an orphanage. And she was around when the books were discovered previously. I'm just going to trigger warn here for mentions of suicide. Because basically what happened before was two sisters found them. Uh, well, one sister technically found them. And the other really wanted to be in the coven. But to spurn her sister... She essentially initiated a bunch of people who weren't her sister, including Helen, the maid, as like a final insult and refused to let her sister join. They enjoyed having magic powers for a while, but then, as in many films, the power of witchcraft became too great a temptation. And the sister who'd been left out stole the magic books and threatened to destroy them unless she was initiated. So they initiated a 12th person into their coven, uh, not out of sisterhood, but because they had been forced to. And then the sister trying to use magic to basically make herself into her older sister, to be good at what she was good at, to be as beautiful as her. And she lost herself in the magic and ended up jumping off of the roof of the chapel. Uh, and before she did so, she said in like a completely blank way, I don't belong, and then died. So it seems like some sort of external force was compelling her or was involved in some way. It's bad news bears all round, but they still decide to initiate Helen, who I'm not sure why she needed to be initiated, because she had already been initiated with the same ritual from the book before. So it's not like they were initiating her in a new and different way, but they reinitiate her into their coven, which now does technically contain 12 girls, albeit one of them is dead, but not for long. They assemble, they do this ritual, basically involves getting a hold of a lot of herbs and oil of figs, which sounds like something you would take if you were constipated. Uh, they do the spell and suddenly Catherine is alive again, except if you've seen Practical Magic, you know this doesn't end well, because she seems zombie-like, difficult to get responses from, and moderately obsessed with Eliza. Like, if she can't see Eliza, she's like demanding to know where she is and, want and wants to be with her. So everything is not okay, and Teresa instantly turns on Eliza, their endeavour being accomplished, and is like, you stole my man several days ago, and I still remember, so we ain't friends no more. 
This all comes to a, a very quick conclusion because Eliza returns to her room one day to find that Catherine is ripping up one of her books, which was a present from Harrison, just looking off into space, ripping the book apart. And when confronted, Catherine screams like a banshee and tries to throttle Eliza. So it's pretty clear that she is possessed in some way or just has like a weird spirit now because of all the death. But Eliza quickly like screams for help and, and Teresa comes running in with I think Helen um, and they like dispel the evil spirit and Catherine is dead again once more. So they carry her back to the ravine and chuck her in like nothing ever happened. She's eventually found by a search party looking for Catherine. Everything's fine and dandy. Helen has however insisted as like one of the stipulations for helping them do this ritual that they give up the books which previously were like hidden because of their awful power and a map was only left because the girl who originally found them hoped that eventually they'd be found by people who could handle it and who could treat them as they deserve to be treated. So the girls put all the books back in the trunk and bury it in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night. So I don't understand how the Book of Spells ended up not in a trunk in the woods but back on the podium in, in the secret Billings Chapel, uh, and also what happened to the rest of the books, which just appear to be missing. So there we go. Maybe someone else found them in the intervening hundred years, and that's how Noelle's grandmother knows about them. But I don't know, because the book doesn't tell us that. It just kind of ends right after that with no other explanation. All that happens is that Teresa and Eliza work together to use one final amount of magic to wipe the memories of everyone else involved in their coven, except I guess Helen, and then they hide the key, or well, Eliza takes possession of the key and is like, never again, and they all agree never again, but somehow this key ends up in the door behind the bookcase when Noelle and Reed come to find the book that shouldn't be in there, it should be buried somewhere, but maybe it's not. So... There's a lot of issues with this book. I feel like there's some plot holes in there. Uh, some of it doesn't make sense. Characters just forget about gripes entirely and cooperate when the plot needs them to without even mentioning the thing that they're annoyed about. Like, I can get if they're rising above it, but I feel like you need to show that they still care. Otherwise, it comes out of left field. Uh, in the end, Eliza isn't as not like other girls as she thinks she is because she just falls head over heels for the first guy to talk to her about books. And the witchcraft was slightly disappointing because they didn't do a lot with it. They went from floating knives and forks during an etiquette lesson to raising the dead with nothing in between and then instantly gave it up. And because of Alice's attitude that all of this is against God and bad and the things that end up happening are quite bad, it gives this impression that it's quite a sinister and terrible thing that they have done which isn't necessarily an attitude that I like to come across in books, especially when the blurb makes such a big deal about this being like an empowering thing for them to experience, to, them to break out of this like patriarchal mould of society. Um, it kind of falls a bit flat if you then say like, yeah, but all that was devil magic and we had to put that back in the ground where it belonged. There's also just a bunch of stuff that goes nowhere, like May's warnings about the witchcraft, Catherine's seeming untrustworthiness, which... Okay, yes, she does try to kill Eliza, but not when she's herself. 
when she's possessed. So there's no reason for original Catherine to be sketchy. Why did Catherine bring a bunch of witch stuff with her to school and just have that around? Was she already practicing? Because she doesn't seem to have her own like practice or her own book of spells. Uh, so that's a little bit confusing and I don't really know how any of the stuff gets from where it is at the end of the book to where it is a hundred years later in modern times. I'm hoping that the next two books can kind of explain that but my hopes aren't high given how short they are. They are some of the shortest books in the series and I feel like the author was maybe running out of steam a little bit and then taken on a bit too much by introducing witches to the formula which I can kind of get. However, it is kind of an interesting read. If you like boarding school drama, boarding school things or, that involve witches, so things like Five Girls, which is still a pretty class film, um, this is pretty close to that. Could be an interesting read. I don't think necessarily the same plot holes or plot inconsistencies would bother you if you hadn't read the other series and know that, you know, that book isn't actually there when they find it and the key is somewhere else as well and you're not really sure who's related to who that probably wouldn't bother you if you hadn't read the rest of the books but i did at great personal cost uh, so i kind of recommend book of spells just because of its novelty value it's quite different to other stuff that i've read and although the magic in it wasn't like magical realism it was still slightly more realistic than um more like fantasy stuff like harry potter um, it kind of walks the line between those two things, which is quite interesting. And if I'm going to read fantasy, that's sort of how I prefer it to be done. Next video is going to be the last one on this series because I'm going to roll books, I think 13 and 14 chronologically in, into one final episode about witchy stuff. And then we'll be done with the private series, which I've enjoyed reading. It's been a blast, but I feel like it has now started to devolve and become slightly more of a chore to read. So looking forward to getting to the end of that. And don't forget, you can recommend any other teen fiction series about witches, or apparently not about witches, um, to me in the comments of the YouTube video or by email or on Twitter. So if you'd like to do that, I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.